We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Tony, you mentioned about this pregame and we kind of forgot to follow. Uh, is Lucas starting tomorrow still? Lucas Giolito? No, I think it's going to be Kopech. You know, we're just going to... Uh, we're taking care with everybody and... It's going to be the only way. Only reason we hesitated was if we needed Kopech to win the game today, then you know we had to reconsider Lucas. But uh, Kopech will start the game. That's Tony Larusa. Yesterday, uh, Lucas Giolito's got a, a finger injury. You got to know if it's a twist off or not. You just be going trying to open bottles if you don't know if it's a twist off. Come on, Lucas. Anyway, he's not going to start. Um, and the White Sox did make a roster move today. So it's perfect that we bring in our next guest to the Alpamonte Nissan guest hotline, Alpamonte Nissan in Melrose Park on North Avenue. Also visit apnissan.com as we bring in James Fegan who writes for The Athletic, covering the White Sox. You can follow him on Twitter, at J.R. Fegan, and he joins us now on Hit and Run on the Score. Good morning, James. How are you? I fought to repress a sneeze a minute ago, and now I'll spend <laughs> the next 15 minutes in terror about if he'll reemerge. No, you know what you do? Um, this works. You you take your finger and you like the the part between your nose and the top of your mouth. You just kind of like push up into it, like not hard or anything. You don't hurt yourself, but it's supposed to stop the sneeze, and I think it works. And, and you think I should do this on air while we're talking? Yeah, I mean nobody nobody's gonna know. Oh, uh, okay. I actually, I kind of I kind of want you to sneeze. <laughs> like, I want well, you to have to it, stop it, in the middle. Like- it's like the bomb in the trunk and the, the scene of a touch of evil for the for the listeners now, whether or not it will go off uh, during during our segment. Yeah. Hey, uh, you know what? This will this might be the most exciting interview I've ever done because there's the threat of a sneeze. <laughs> this is fun. I'm kind this of excited now. Yeah. Um. I was so now I'm going to keep you on longer than I originally expected, just in hopes that that happens. Um, so the White Sox did make a move today within the last half hour, and they officially announced it. They've um, recalled Jonathan Stever. He comes up from Schaumburg, and Danny Mendick is off to Schaumburg now. So Stever, uh, you know, he pitched a little bit. I think it was something like six or seven innings for the White Sox last year. Um, what is the plan here, and does this have anything to do with the Giolito situation? Uh, yeah, in the sense that it, you basically named a starter who can't really go past three innings, and as a result, you don't really have a traditional starter who um, you know can kind of. I mean, this was a day, especially with their pen, especially the last few days of their pen, where they kind of needed a Giolito start and a good one where they could go you know seven innings. Tony uh, Russo has been pretty upfront about telling us uh, you know what relievers are going to be unavailable, and he, he said that basically the late inning crew of Hendricks and Bummer and Cure that he'd be kind of avoiding the ball. So as far as 
um, locking up the late innings. You really just have Evan Marshall and, and Matt Foster and, you know, Garrett Crochet. Um, you know, Crochet has pitched, you know, two innings since at some points this season um, when he was maybe rolling better than he is right now. Um, so, yeah, that, that, that provides a lot of innings that you have to cover uh, without kind of your best guys and with – you know, a great Kopech outing being like four, you need somebody who could provide some length. Um, Stevers, I, I liked the way where his stuff was at when he came back uh, in spring training this year. It, it definitely seemed like his velo had returned. He's up over 95 consistently. And that's positive. But, you know, it, it kind of remains to be seen. He, he's still a guy who, you know, officially has not pitched in the minor league level above A ball, uh, even though he got spot starts last season with the White Sox. So, it, it, it could be interesting to see where he's at and how much he can really deliver multiple inning outings. And between that and, you know, some, some guys getting off days like, uh, you know, Grandal and Vaughn and, and the lineup today, it, it could have an interesting Sunday feel, but uh, this at least physically provides somebody who can uh, give the multiple innings and kind of get through today. But it, it could be a, a hairy one uh, as far as trying to lock up a sweep, which I think, Everyone really wants to see the White Sox actually get on a good streak and get rolling at some point, and this seems like an opportunity to do so. You know, it's always the games that don't feel like they're set up in your favor that wind up going really well. So I'm I'm going to uh, that's what I'm going to say happens today. I'm going to say that that everybody just dominates and they're going to be fine. Maybe I'm too burned from 2018 uh, White Sox lost <laughs> right. 100 games, but there are some games that not set up in your favor that then don't go well as well. Exactly, that's exactly the point. Um, James Fegan of the Athletic is uh, joining us here on the score, and and as far as Giolito goes, it's I just want to make sure. I mean, there's nothing. It's not like we're going to find out. Oh, actually, it's not day to day. He's got a he's got a torn ligament in his finger, and he's never going to pitch again like it's not anything like that right like he will be okay probably to pitch this week hey i guess you never know but you know as far as i know at least when like tony was first saying it he was very mysterious about it to the point where at the end he even said like we should really have lucas just like for somebody come on and like clarify because i don't like being mysterious about it but he's like he has a good reason not to pitch tomorrow, but it's not his arm, was like all he said. <laughs> like, all right, is it something like a personal matter or something like that? And so I, I definitely understood the way that rolled out kind of could lead to um, a lot of conspiratorial thinking and the fact that, you know, it was, he last pitched on Monday, so pushing to Tuesday means it'll be like eight days of rest. And the, the fact that his velo has been like a tick down uh, so far this season, it is April, but it, it has been. Um, that's a lot of reasons for people to be concerned. He got shelled the last time out, but you see him on zoom last night. It's literally like this tiny little bandage on his middle finger. And he threw a, a bullpen session, uh, on Friday and, and said that it, the cut wasn't even making contact with the ball in the way that it actually affected what he was doing. So please from the description, you know, we're, we're all distance. We're all not coming in direct contact with the team to really know what's going on, but it really seems like it's just a minor thing and being very cautious in April uh, for a team that really is trying to um, hold back their best effort, um, so to speak, uh, until uh, prime time. I, you know, Lance Lynn has said the, the reason that, that, that what he's dealing with is this trapezius strain that he would pitch through it, you know, pretty much at any meaningful time of the year. But, you know, they're trying to be cautious right now. Dallas Keuchel said the other night that his plan for ramping up for the season 
was that he'd really think he'd be in top form by mid-May, uh, <laughs> which, you know, kind of is, is a weird thing to hear after he just pitched the game. But that's really the, this is a team that's really operated with a mindset of like they're trying to save up for October. So I guess this is part of it. You know what? Uh, when we talk about the the minor injuries, James, that you that you think, oh, it's going to be okay. It's day to day. Like I always go back to when uh, John Danks had the finger blister, but it wasn't actually a blister. It was like the circulation in his finger was gone at the tip, and they were about to cut it off. Like they they told him, like, look, you got to be careful because there's a pretty good chance that if it continues this way, um, we're going to have to amputate the tip of your finger. So it was like not just a nothing, right? Um, so like every time you hear something minor, you think there's got to be something underlying and it's worse and this is everybody's going to die. This is terrible. So it's, it's Yeah, I remember I remember Danks pitching with purple fingers in that game and yeah. get, getting some people out. And uh, I also remember him taking a lighter off his head in Arizona and throwing seven innings. So I, That's right. John Danks' injury management is probably not applicable to the rest of the human society. Well, probably not. It's uh, James Fegan of The Athletic. He is joining us on 670 The Score. So let me get your, your overall thoughts of this team. We're almost a month into the season right now. It's April 25th. They're two games over 500. Um, they're in pretty good position right now. Just as, as you look at the overall product, as you look at the overall, like everything they've done, how are you viewing the, the White Sox early season start? It's fine. They're in a fine position. Like uh, for all the warts they've shown, they, they haven't like actually gotten themselves off to a bad start. They're probably going to, you know, a, a contending, especially with the schedule they're facing down the stretch of this month. Like it, it's hard to see them really getting through April with less than 15 wins. And that's, that's really like a, a decent start and not something to really complain about. I, I would say as far as the general angst of, of, of not showing their top form, yeah, this is a team that was really touting that they're going to have this great bullpen, and they're they're having a lot of issues. And you know, as much as we think they're just a talented group that's going to, um, you know, kind of smooth things out over the over the course of things, it's not like the group of guys is like the absolute longest track record of success. Like Aaron Bummer, you know, has looked a little shaky, but he's a dude who's had control problems in the past. And, you know, the fact that it's flaring up on him again, you know, I, I think he could put it away, but it's not like just completely um, aberrant and has, has no precedent and will go away immediately. You know, Liam Hendricks dealing with the long ball. Liam Hendricks got used really heavily the last couple of seasons while he's been being an elite reliever. So we, we see those guys pop up and, and have some fluctuations in performance after the usage gets really heavy. And, you know, it, I, it seems like his stuff is great and he should be able to get through it. But, you know, the whole idea of, of basing things off of having a, a super bullpen is that bullpens fluctuate. And, you know, this can happen to even really touted guys. So until that really normalizes, it's, it's, a, it's a sense of concern. I would say their offense, I think, overall ranks really highly, but it's also really um, driven by a 28-year-old uh catcher kind of coming up and hitting like Ted Williams out of the gate. They kind of need Jose Brayo and Mancata to, to fill a gap. And, you know, Mancata's had the one good 2019 season, but is still trying to follow it up. Uh, and Abreu obviously has an incredible track record, but is 34. So the idea of him slowing down at some point is something he kind of has to prove every year. So I, I think it's fine. It's not 
a crisis. It's not as uh, worried as everyone was after, you know, the, the last game in Seattle or the poor start in Anaheim or anything like that. But um, it, it's not like it's not without this question mark. It's not without, um, you know, some issues that they really kind of need to prove that they can uh, combat down the stretch. And um, I think this might be a radical opinion, but things would be better if Eloy came back uh, at some point yeah. this year. <laughs> and maybe just a little bit. Um, so the White Sox had a couple of days off, uh, you know, this, this past week. They didn't play on Wednesday or Thursday. But the last three games, Andrew Vaughn has been, he's, he's played. He, he's been in the lineup. Do you think we've reached a point or are getting close to a point where he's basically just in, like you write him in and leave him in and don't mess with it too much? Do you think we're there yet? Well, apparently not since he's not starting today. Okay, great. (laughs) I do think that some of the consternation about, um, well, he's not being given just at bats every single day and that they're going to kind of use his struggles as a way to, you know, justify sending him back to the minors or uh, he's not going to be able to find his footing uh, and not really going to be able to claim this position every day uh, at any point. I think that's overblown um, simply because his defense has not caused any significant issues, even though he is still getting subbed out. And I would, I would say that probably worked out last night. And his offense, for as much as he's not looked in sync and not the guy that was promised, I mean, you know, Andrew Vaughn homerless and striking out over 25% of the time is not what was on the, you know, uh, the brochure for what you were going to get. He's still, like, nobody has, like, come, no veteran stopgap has come and just, like, outplayed him in a way that's going to push him aside. Like, Jake Lamb is not, like, or Larry Garcia are not setting the world on fire and, and providing this, like, really tempting options that, Tony Ruzza to not trust the rookie with. Like he's floating around a hundred WRC plus, like basically league average offense, just on the strength of drawing a lot of walks and and dinking occasional singles. So he's outplaying the guys who are competing with him for playing time, and he's the guy with the higher ceiling down the road, and he's the guy that the, the GM has at stake as the guy they want to be the long term solution in this position. So I don't, I don't see any of the paths other than just Andrew Vaughn slowly becomes the everyday left fielder as more likely than, than that because all of them involve playing some veteran with less upside who's not playing very well right now. So I, I don't see any real long-term threats to kind of Vaughn slowly taking over that role. But I get the – because of that, I also understand the consternation that they're still not playing him every single day. And I, I think some of that's coming from the idea that he's just not looking fully in sync yet and they don't want to overwhelm him. Have you gone to Freddy's yet to get your Urminator burger? Um, no, I was really like happy with not being over 200 pounds and was not trying to immediately, uh, <laughs> reverse it with a, with a novelty purchase, but you know, it's a long season and I, I can be easily broken. I'm not a very, uh, hey. you know, sh- strong, uh, constitutional person who, uh, takes strong moral stands. So I'll, I'll, I'll be broken <laughs> at some point. And you know what? The thing is it's, it's inexpensive. It's, uh, it's only four eighty five. That's pretty good for a burger for, these days. 485 for twice as many calories. Yes. See, you're getting a bargain. How can you pass, James, you can't pass up a bargain. I guess that's why your mean said he was going to eat four the other day. Yeah, he did. Affordable. I, I love that. He has it. They bring him, he had two of them. They bring it to him. He eats it. They look, they look great. Um, he has two of them and he goes four for four. 
like a, two hours later, which I think is just absolutely fantastic. Um, so I would, James, if I'm you, I would go down to 31st and and get it on the way to the ballpark today. Yeah, I mean, you know, people already think of, of sports writers as slobs uh, with uh, grease stains on their shirts uh, <laughs> half watching the game. So why not make the legend true? <laughs> they really do, man. You all get no respect. And I'm I'm not here for that. I will you James. How, how can you I got, not get respect? I've suppressed the sneeze for fifteen minutes. You uh, did a great on, job. On I, I wasn't gonna mention it. It was like the no hitter. I wasn't gonna come talk to you. I was gonna let it go. Uh because you did a fine job. James, great interview today. Not necessarily because of content, though that was great too. But the fact you got through the entire thing without sneezing is just it's phenomenal. And I'm very proud. Well, I'm gonna celebrate and uh you know go sneeze on my wife and <laughs> okay yeah she'll be very happy with that james fegan i appreciate it thanks buddy all right thanks for having me that is james fegan of the athletic covering the white Sox, who do play today uh they play this afternoon they wrap up their series against texas you know what else happens? <laughs> see that's what i was going i was really hoping I was really hoping, and I like James a lot, but I don't like him enough to not have him have the embarrassment of sneezing on air loudly like that. Like, I don't like anybody enough to not put them through that. So I wish I wish it would have happened. So for those of you who are just joining us, as soon as we brought James up um, to talk to him, he said, I've been holding back a sneeze for like 30 seconds, and I'm really afraid that it's going to happen in the middle of the interview. It didn't. He got through it. I wish it wouldn't have happened. I wish, you know, we had a different outcome and he did the Murph sneeze. That would just happen. I mean, can you imagine leaving somebody a voicemail and not having the presence of mind to put the phone down if you're going to do that? What's the matter with you? Okay. 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 Just absolutely ridiculous. We do have a White Sox lineup. I'll bring that to you, tell you who's playing. You already know one thing. One thing has been ruined for you. Andrew Vaughn is not in the White Sox lineup this afternoon. And you also know Michael Kopech is pitching. We'll tell you what else is going on with the White Sox this afternoon as we have a lineup. I don't think we have a Cubs lineup yet. And if we do, I'll get it, and I'll have that for you as well. I'm Chris Ranji, in for Spiegel, on Hit and Run. You're listening to The Score. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. 
Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. One down the pitch. Ground ball toward third. Fair ball. Coming in to score is Hayward. Sogard racing to third. He's getting the green light. Here comes the throw by McKinney to the plate. It is not in time. Two-run double, Nico Horner. Cubs lead two to nothing. Yeah, I think we all believe Nico's a really good player. Yeah, I think that's that's a that's a given. Um, I think we've known that for a long time. So um he made those adjustments in the offseason that we've talked about. And um he looks really comfortable at the play, really good bat uh there at the end off Hader uh at the back end of that. Um uh, game off a, a, a really good closer and uh, the big hit down the line was was huge. That is David Ross talking about Nico Horner, who is back in the Cubs lineup today, which will now make it three straight days. He's in the lineup since being uh, called up on Thursday. So he's uh, he's part of the team. He will play. We have the White Sox lineup as well as both teams. This is one of those uh, unusual times that only happens of, of two, three times a season in Chicago when both teams are in town at the same time. And a day like yesterday, by the way, one of my favorite days um, when you could go to both. Like if you if you want to pull the doubleheader, you, you want to go to Wrigley during the day and then you want to go to... Uh, guaranteed rate later and watch the White Sox play. I got to do that a couple of times in my life in Chicago. Only a couple. I mean, I was working a lot of those weekends, so it was difficult to do it, but I love those days. These are my favorite. I love these series when both teams are in town and, and you do have the opportunity to catch both. It is a, uh, it's a lot of fun. And you're very lucky, very lucky to have that. You know, you can catch two baseball games in a day in your city. It's just incredible. I love it. So you get to experience that today, except they both played about the same time. We're going to have the broadcast today, as always. Uh, Zach Zaidman filling in for Pat. Uh, Ron Coomer is in. And Matt Spiegel, usually the host of this show, he's got the pregame, he's got the postgame, he's got the fifth inning as well. So you're going to want to listen to that today on The Score. And by the way, if you're in Chicago locally, you can listen to the Cubs game on the Odyssey app. Just download the Odyssey app. It's free. You don't have to have MLB.com or whatever. You don't have to have the package. You can you can listen if you're downtown and the reception's not great or whatever. Like you can listen on your Odyssey app. So it is a very, very convenient thing. And and that's a that's a good thing too, because we well, I, I think pretty much all of us uh, to a person we have all had our issues with the accessibility of major league games, whether it be on TV or on radio, and how sometimes it's very difficult to listen to or watch games depending on where you live. Like in Iowa, for example, they are blacked out of five teams. Like if you live in certain parts of Iowa, and it might even be the entire state, there are five major league baseball teams that are blacked out if you have the MLB package. It, it's absurd. Totally crazy. Both Chicago teams, um, Minnesota, Milwaukee, and I want either Kansas City or St. Louis. I can't remember which, but there are five teams you can't watch. 
if you live there. It's just, it's crazy. But so this is some accessibility that is great now. On the Odyssey app, you can listen to the Cubs game if you are in Chicago. So as for the lineups today, we have both of them for the Cubs this afternoon. As I mentioned, Horner is in, um, but this is how it's going to go. The switch hitting Ian Happ will lead off and be in center field. David Bodie is at third today. Then it's Rizzo, Bryant, and Baez. Chris Bryant's going to play in left field today. Uh, Jason Hayward is in right. Nico Horner, as I mentioned, he is at second base, and he will bat seventh. Then it's Austin Romine, and the pitcher is Jake Arietta. It's a Jake Arietta day at Wrigley Field. Meanwhile, for the White Sox in their finale against the Texas Rangers, it is Tim Anderson followed by Adam Eaton and Wright, Moncada, Abreu. Your mean Mercedes is hitting fifth for the White Sox this afternoon. Luis Robert is in center field hitting uh, sixth. Uh, Zach Collins, he'll be your catcher. Laori Garcia and then Nick Madrigal, who was the hero in last night's game with the uh, walk-off hit um, as the Sox beat Texas. And that was a really fun game. I know that it was... Uh, not in the top of the ninth inning when they coughed up that lead, uh, but they came right back in the bottom half, made sure they didn't have to go to extras, and that's great for a team that really wants to stay away from certain relievers to not have to pitch into extra innings. And talking about that that new rule that everybody seems to hate, we did have a texter earlier who says, you know what, not everybody hates the runner at second base rule uh, to start the extra inning frames and one texter was uh, was uh, in agreement with it that was it we got one person and i gotta be honest with you i'm okay with it too i don't really have a problem with the extra inning runner at second rule i just don't i don't think it ruins anything i know a lot of people think it does at first when they had the idea i thought it was kind of unnecessary that, you know, most games end by the 11th or 12th anyway, if there's going to be an extra inning game. But I I think it adds excitement. There's immediate excitement. You've already had nine innings of baseball. And I think when you get to that extra innings, it's it's nice to know that you're probably not, and, and certainly if you're trying to manage a pitching staff and you're running short on arms, which are at a premium, like the White Sox are dealing with at this moment, I think the last thing you want to do is go 14 or 15 innings. So I I think the rule is fine. It doesn't bother me. If they got rid of it, that's fine too. It's just not one of those things that I have all kinds of feelings about. Not like I feel about the DH, which should 100% be in both leagues immediately. And it should still be in the National League this year. And I hope they get it done uh, in the new CBA for next year. But... Uh, I feel very strongly about that. And I also don't know how to feel about the new rule that they are trying out in the independent leagues with pushing the mound back a foot. So instead of 60 feet, 6 inches, they're going to 61 feet and 6 inches. And later on in the show, I want you to hear parts of a conversation that were had on MLB Network about this very topic. And I thought it was really, really good. Joel Sherman and Dan O'Dowd were talking about moving the mound back and whether or not it is actually a good idea. And the reason for it, 
the reason Major League Baseball is suggesting this or testing it out right now is because hitters are having such a difficult time against pitching. And it's not about plate approach. It's it's that guys are throwing harder, their stuff is better, and strikeouts are through the roof. And they have been. And the game has become a you know a, a three true outcome game a lot of times. And MLB wants to change that. And I I kind of agree with it. But I also don't know if this pushing of the mound back is a good or a bad thing. So I want you to hear from these guys, and we will do that a little bit later in the show. I think I think their thoughts on it are really well-reasoned and might sway you one way or the other. And if you don't have a particular feeling on the mound getting moved back a foot, maybe you will after you hear from them. Maybe you won't change your mind. Maybe you don't care. I'm curious to see how it does work out. And we'll talk about that later on Hit and Run. But coming up next, we will visit with the scores, Bruce Levine, who covers both teams in town. We'll talk to him about the Cubs. We'll talk to him about the Sox, both of which are uh, finishing up series against uh, the Brewers and the Texas Rangers, respectively. We will talk to Bruce next. I'm Chris Ranji in for Speaks on Hit and Run on the score. Bruce, you going on a date tonight in that suit and tie? I bar mitzvah. Mazel tov. Well, I want to ask you a question. Maybe you can ask Bruce Levine. I'll ask Bruce, all right. He's got the answers, uh, and he is with us here on 670 The Score as Bruce Levine joins us on the guest hotline, brought to you by Al Pamonte Nissan. Alpamonte Nissan in Melrose Park on North Avenue or APNissan.com. The Cubs are at Wrigley Field today and an intriguing matchup, which we really haven't gotten into yet. Uh, but Brandon Woodruff is pitching today. Oh, baby, fireworks. So uh, that's happening at Wrigley Field. Meanwhile, at Guaranteed Rate Field, the Sox will try to wrap up a sweep of the Texas Rangers and Bruce joins us now. Good morning, Bruce. How are you? Chris, it's always a pleasure when I get to talk to you. It, it really is. Um, I just can't tell you how much I uh, enjoy talking to you and Will on the May the 8th also as you join me on Inside the Clubhouse for a full two hours. That will be a joy. You know what? I The way you said joy like multiple times and pleasure like all, I feel like you're being sarcastic. Well, I mean, you know me better than most. You know, live with the result. <laughs> oh, I miss you, buddy. Uh, it's it's good. Are are you at Wrigley or are you at uh, at the rate today? I'm at the Palatial Palace off of Sheridan Road at the moment, uh, getting ready to go to Wrigley. I okay. did a doubleheader yesterday. I wish I could split myself in two and be at both today, but I won't be. But um, I will be watching both and listening to both and uh, doing the best we can during the Zoom era of reporting. You know what, Bruce? I, I was talking about this a few minutes ago, that this is one of the few magical times during Chicago summers that are the they're, they're great because you have both teams in town. And you had... You know, it doesn't happen very often. MLB tries to make sure that, you know, they stagger it so that there's always at least one team playing on a given day in a city and you don't have two playing in the same city at the same time. But 
you get to do that double header, like you said yesterday. You know, you get to go to Wrigley during the day. You get to go to the south side at night. And I think those are just, I, I love those days, and they're few and far between every summer. They really are, Chris. And, and at 10, I, I lived for a double header, okay? At uh, age 95 now, I still live for a double header, even though you have to cross town and go, you know, take the outer drive uh, from yeah. north to south. It is it is awesome. And I guess, uh, you know, if you love the game, it doesn't matter if you're 10 or you're, you're like I said, 95. It's just, it's in your blood and you, you just take advantage of it being there. You know, if you don't have to work it, it's the best. Like, cause if you can go, not that it's bad if you have to work it, but if you don't have to work it, you can sit in the stands, you can enjoy the sun, you can have some beverages, like you can have yourself a really good day. Like, I know, they, they, but, you they, know, look, Chris, from my perspective, how many reporters get a chance to piss off both David Ross and Tony La Russa <laughs> in the same day? None, just I, you, man. It's I awesome. Mean, it, is, it is. It is. It's great. It really is. And, uh, and, and you know, I, I kid about it, but in reality, I, it, it's, it's such a, a great honor to be able to report to, to both the Cubs and White Sox fans information on a given day it, it really is a joy and i i love it well let's start with i, I know you're going to wrigley today but and you're going to be keeping a, an eye on both games but let's start on the south side just because last night was a terrific ending and it's you know you, you give up the lead in the ninth inning but you're able to respond immediately and and come back and madrigal having um, that that nice at bat with an 0-2 count and then driving in the game-winning run. What what does and I know you can't really be in the clubhouse right now, but you're closer to the team at this moment than most of us are. What does it what does it feel like there? What what is the what is the vibe that you get from this White Sox team? Well, the vibe is is that there's so many guys that can beat you, and no matter how many mistakes that the White Sox make, and they've made a lot early on the early going here. There's plenty of guys to wipe out those mistakes, either a power pitcher in the rotation the next day or a power pitcher in the bullpen or two or three uh, the next day or uh, a little second baseman that uh, weighs 150 pounds that uh, uh, drives the ball to right field to win a game for you or a, uh, uh, you know, a, a, a no-name guy coming out of uh, – out of the Dominican and out of nowhere to be the talk of baseball. They have a tremendous amount of weapons. And uh, when they play a clean game, which they came very close to like last night, where they, they probably should have won the game one to nothing if the home run doesn't go up. Uh, they played great defense. They got just enough offense. They got great pitching and uh, and great performances on, de- on, on defense and from the bullpen. So that was... That was really a, a, a great game for the White Sox, and it turned out well, but, you know, the, the closer gives up a home run to tie it, kind of ruins the perfect pitcher. Nonetheless, tremendous amount of weapons, uh, very talented team. Larry Garcia is going to play in left field this afternoon. He bats eighth, which means Andrew Vaughn is out of the lineup, and that's the guy that, that Sox fans right now are feeling like, hey, just put him in the lineup and leave him there. And he did play the last three games. Are we? Are, is he being handled the right way right now? I think so. Um, you know, La Russa 
is an expert in a lot of things. I have tremendous high regard for Tony La Russa. But bringing along young players, I think he's, he's really great at. And he has now 34 years of experience doing it. So um, he collaborates with his coaches. He talks to the front office. Uh, he doesn't make all the decisions all by himself. He is uh, a guy that likes to uh, be inclusive of, of the people with the team. And, uh, you know, player development is not just the manager. It's the front office. It's uh, Chris Getz, the head of player development. It's, it's everybody. So um, I, th- I think there's great communication there as to how to bring uh, guys along and, and uh, why a guy is playing, why he isn't. Bruce Levine joining us here on 670 The Score on Hit and Run as we move to the north side of uh, the city. And this is going to be one of those fun matchups just because of what happened, uh, I guess, about two weeks ago now with Brandon Woodruff and the Cubs and Ryan Tapera throwing behind Woodruff after uh, Wilson Contreras got hit on the elbow, which didn't or on the hand, and it did not appear to be intentional. And then immediately after that, Woodruff uh, had the ball thrown behind him. It was a very passive way to say that. Tapera threw at him, uh, threw behind him. So um, Woodruff kind of, he, he wouldn't play it up when he was asked about it. He, he downplayed the entire incident. Do you expect much to happen today because of all of that that transpired two weeks ago? No, not really. I, I, honestly, uh, neither team can afford to lose a pitcher. Neither team wants to play under a warning, Chris, which is what you would get right away if there was seemed to be some intent at throwing at Woodruff or Arietta or Arietta throwing at one of the better Milwaukee players, although most of their very better players are hurt right now. Um, no, but it, 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 the one thing it does is it, it, it really brings across the fact that although the Cubs and Cardinals have been the, the main rivalry for a million years, uh, the Milwaukee uh, franchise uh, under uh, Sternberg and and uh, and, and Council, uh, they they have become a force and they have become recognized as a team that can that can beat you regardless of how good the players they have on that team. They are just uh, they get the very most out of their their team. So this is a new rivalry uh, that's been going on since 1997 that has taken an, an uptick and it is. Uh, more heated than it's ever been right now. So this Cubs team had been one of the worst offensive teams in baseball for the first few weeks of the season. Then we get the 16-run outburst on Wednesday, and then they put up four the following day, and then they put up 15 on Friday. Yesterday they scored just a, you know, a couple of runs against Freddie Peralta, who's pitched them well so far this year. Are we beyond those two games or beyond that three-game stretch? Is there reason for optimism that maybe this offense is on the verge of actually starting to click? You know, I don't know if you can talk collectively about an offense. Uh, I don't think all guys get hot at the same time or cold. I, I just still think it, it, it it's at the top of the order. And, uh uh, you know, Ian Happ had a really good 60 games last year. He was uh, an impressive player for them. He had a 361 on base percentage and a lot of big RBIs. He has been cold to start the season. And since uh, Dexter Fowler left the, the Cubs back uh, four years ago, uh, they, have, they have searched for and not found a permanent leadoff man. I, Chris, I'm, I'm still a believer, old school-wise, that you have to have top-of-the-order people getting on base. 
and uh, the, the uh, Cubs are searching for that in 2021. If Hap can get straightened out, I think that that solves a lot of your offensive uh, situations because it, it creates uh, tougher situations for the pitcher with men on base, uh, different sequences of pitches that are thrown. Uh, right now, uh, you know that, and I don't, I don't want to lay it all on Ian Hap because there's plenty of guys that have have not hit uh, early in the season here. But to me, if if you're going to talk collectively about the Cubs offense, uh, it has to start with. Are the guys getting on base at the top of the order? If not, uh, you know, I think you're going to continue to struggle. Well, a guy who's been getting most of the attention when the offense was struggling is is Javier Baez. And I I think a lot of it has to do with his last season did not look good either in 2020. And it was just 60 games, but it's still there's a carryover here. You know, you're you're going from last year to now what he's right. doing this season. What do you make of his season because the power has been there, but uh, but well, everything else is just not. You know, Chris, uh, the swing and miss factor in the fastball has been uh, mind-boggling. I mean, he, you know, this was a guy that they increased the breaking ball percentage of throwing to him to over 40% last year. And now uh, after the beginning of this year, they realize that he's not catching up to the fastball. And, and that is that is hard to believe for a guy that became an all-star multiple times and uh, was a uh, uh, second in the MVP race in 2018 that he's not hitting the fastball. So uh, it's it's the old uh, he's in between looking for the breaking ball and the fastball, and he's not He's just swinging through the fastball, and that's how they're pitching him now. They're not even messing around with the breaking ball. They're just throwing him fastballs. Um, I expect Baez, look, he, he's in the top, what, three or four in RBIs, which is amazing considering he has the lowest on-base percentage of any right-handed hitter in baseball right now. So when he does make contact, you know, it's electric, and uh, I expect him to get out of it at some point here and start making more contact. But the, the thing about him is when, when he's not hitting, it stands out even more. Yeah, of course, the strikeouts are high. They always have been. But he doesn't walk at all. And when you don't walk at all, then people turn to your on-base percentage. And Javier Baez's on-base percentage has never been good because he doesn't walk. So that that's a, a stat that you totally ignore for Javier Baez other than saying, well, you know, if he's hitting 280, uh, you know, his on-base percentage probably – you know, 300, you know, it, it's not an impactful number for bias. Bruce, I appreciate your time. I look forward. And when I say this, I mean it. I'm not being sarcastic like you. I mean it when I say I look forward to May 8th inside the clubhouse with you. It's going to be the two of us for two hours. We're going to kill it. You know, I, I, I look forward to it, but I know you're a liar. <laughs> How'd you know? <laughs> Years of experience. Hey. Chris, I enjoyed hey. it. We'll, I'll talk to you soon. Bruce, go go piss off some managers. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, that's Thanks, buddy. That's, uh, that's Bruce Levine, the score's very own. He is covering both teams today. I think he should have to alternate innings. I think Mitch Rosen should make it that Bruce has to go to Wrigley for an inning. When that inning's over, he should have to go down to the south side for an inning, and then he should have to come back. Just whatever would inconvenience Bruce the most, that's what Mitch should make him do. But then again, like he said, when you're 95 years old, you don't take any direction from anybody. You will you will not. Mitch said, hey, Bruce, I need you to. Bruce would just say, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing any of those things. I'm in my 90s. 
Bruce is not actually in his 90s, uh, though sometimes it seems like he is. I love that man, and we are on Inside the Clubhouse together on May 8th. I think I'm back with uh, this show again next Sunday. Does that sound right, Sean? I have no I, I, I don't feel know. Like, okay. You could be right. I feel like you I feel like you should know my life. Uh yeah, I think I'm back next week. I Speaks must be out again. I don't know if he's doing play by play and pre post game again or what. But I mean it yeah, sounds I plausible. I mean anything is plausible, man. Just about anything. You know what's the, what's better than plausible is probable. And probable next is Gordon Wittenmeyer who covers the Cubs. He's going to join us, and we'll talk more about that team as they get ready to play the Brewers. And that game you can hear right here on The Score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.